a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. The reason is because you don't have the sacraments. So, yeah. I mean, once you don't have the sacraments, then basically everybody's a pastor. Because that's what a pastor is, a guy that's there to preach the gospel and administer the sacraments. Once the sacraments cease to mean anything in your theological construct, then ministry becomes something different than the giving out of God's gift of forgiveness. The reason why we go to church is not to hear about how we have to go out and, and be missionalists. The reason we go to church is to get the forgiveness of our sins. That's why Jesus instituted the church. And I think that's the point. See, when a pastor considers this option of, hmm, maybe I'll substitute these parts of the liturgy, maybe, the, maybe. the question before him should not be, will it win more people over? The question before them should be, would this deliver Christ in a better way than it already does? And the parts of the liturgy are direct quotes from Holy Scripture. And I don't think that you can improve upon the delivery of Christ uh, from them. I mean, just imagine the next radical that will be even more radical. This will be the book that I'm going to write. Even more uh, radical. What part of cutting off your hand is unclear in the Bible? <laughs> if you still have two hands, you show yourself to be a false disciple of Jesus. <laughs> Get ready for another edition of Table Talk Radio. Uh, silence your phones, grease your chair, get ready uh, for some... Grease your chair? Oh, yes. Okay, let's see. Silence phone. <laughs> oh, you, did you think I was talking to the listener? <laughs> That's, I, was, I said, you're being a little bit presumptuous, assuming that there was a listener. <laughs> well, I figured, you and know... Then I realized you were talking to me. And then I realized <laughs> you're being a little bit presumptuous, assuming that I'm, I'm listening to you. Uh, I don't. Myself. Uh, I know. Uh, but I think you should, because we have an excellent show in store uh, at Table Talk Radio. We're playing this brand new game. Uh, I, I, I have a good idea. Let's not plan shows when, when we're talking on the phone, because it just spins <laughs> out of control. But this brand yeah. new game is called... I, we should have just recorded that conversation last night and just put that on the phone, on the show. This game is called in Where fact, Was It Said? <laughs> Okay. This is all comes from the last six hours of my own little life here. Yeah, this is really my just a project to, life. Because, yeah, because everyone want, is just dying to know what Pastor Wolfmuller is doing at all hours of the day. And in case in they fact. don't have his Facebook uh, feed telling him that every hour, um, are you probably every half hour? How often do you update your Facebook thing? I'm trying to I'm trying to get in the good discipline of updating it uh, every five minutes. Yeah. So, so. Th- to get the play-by-play on Pastor Wolfmuller's life, as if no one wants that, uh, right. you can you can do that on Facebook. But uh, until then, we can play this game. Where was it said? So, what are the options to this game, Pastor Wolfmuller? <laughs> okay. So these are all things that were said in my hearing in the last six hours, and the options are they were said at St. Andrew's Early Learning Center, or they were said at the Denver Buddhist Temple, or they were said at the 20th Street Cafe, where Pastor Melius and I were translating Greek, or they were said at the Denver County Courthouse. <laughs> Why are we at the courthouse? Just checking it out, you know, just in case. Looking for uh, exits. Did you? <laughs> I, I, uh, did someone you get, someone wait, wait, told wait, wait, me. Wait, no, 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 you're not done. What ticket did you get? No, it wasn't a ticket. I was going to as an observer. Someone, you know how I've been busy on this idea of the conscience and that the conscience is is like uh, 
is a reflection of the heavenly courtroom. So you think and I'm see it and I'm right. trying to push through the the imagery of the courtroom into the uh, you know into our thinking. And then I realized I'd actually never been to a courtroom. Well, so so today was kind of like you going to the heavenly council, huh? I mean, indeed, <laughs> I didn't really get to see much action. It was mostly kind of people pleading out of traffic tickets, uh, which is all right. I mean, that was enough. But they were about there was about to be a uh, homicide trial, but I just you wanted to record the show, so I, yeah, you had to. So I had, had to leave. leave. Anyway, uh, watch out for for the people of. Um, Hope Lutheran Church, if you get a traffic ticket, your pastor might be there to see your testimony. <laughs> yep. That's right. <laughs> okay, now, well. But we've, I thought we did a thing called buzzwords before. Uh, yeah, we I'm, we're still telling what's going on. And then we're going to play well, some Ten Commandments in the news. Uh, some, I mean, there's a ton going on in the news right now. Yes. Things are falling apart all over the place. Yeah, shock. Um, so we're going to play some Ten Commandments in the news. And then I don't know if we'll have any time left over. But if we do, we're going to do uh, some emails. Um, so you can send in your emails real quickly. They're questions at tabletalkradio.org. But first, buzzwords. So, Pastor Wolfmiller, what is your theological buzzword? My buzzword for you is conscience. Now, this buzzword is celebrating, is given off today, celebrating the publication of Around the Word, Volume 1, Number 2. <laughs> Were you wondering if I was going to plug the journal? No, I Probably pretty not. much knew you would. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, you guys know that we have this journal, Around the Word, and... Uh, and the theme for the second edition is the conscience. So it is quite incredible. The, uh, I, was, I gave uh, Pastor Melius his copy because he's an author. Hey, did you write an article for this, Evan? Negative. Yeah. Were you, were you, were you supposed to? Supposed to? No, I never agreed to do that. <laughs> Anyhow, the author's got a, he got a copy, and, uh, and he was looking through the table of contents, and he says, whoa. This actually looks like a substantial sort of thing. So anyway, the conscience is the internal... That kind of internal judge uh, that's making judgment both on our actions and on the actions that are um, happening around us, and um, and God wants to deal with our conscience. So you can read articles like this in the journal about the conscience. A good conscience from Jesus by Donovan Riley. You've got a conscience and God wants it. An introduction, Brian Wolfmuller. That's me. These things are written so that you may beware of false prophets, Brian Ketchermeyer. The cure without equal individual confession and absolution. That's it from Eric Anderson. You cannot cover up or hide your sins, but God can and does, Tom Messer. And that's only the major article we have. I think we have something like 17 features that come in this thing. So, anyhow. Cool. Great. And how, how can someone get a hold of this? Aroundthewordjournal.com, I think. <laughs> With certainty. <laughs> I don't worry. Know. You know, you the, know how, how much I love to pay attention to The gospel delivers much this. more certainty than that... <laughs> Statement of the, of the web address. You know address. how much I love details. Com? I love the details of a thing. <laughs> All right, my theological buzz phrase for you is God's alien work. And uh, this is contrasted then against God's uh, proper work. And uh, so, I mean, we can we can understand this in, in plain language. There's, um, you know, someone, so Pastor Wolfman's proper work is that, um, you know, that he's a pastor. He does things that he knows how to do. And then his... Uh, alien work would be like changing the oil or, um, you know, you know these, these kinds of things, you know, uh, building something. You know, these, these, Pastor has no idea how to do it. it, it it's not things that are inherent to, to who he is. Hosting a radio show. <laughs> yeah. Publishing a journal. All right. Well, in, in God's Posting on Facebook, on the other words, is my native work. 
<laughs> well, th- this in in terms of God's uh, proper and alien work, this is referring to really it has to do with law and gospel, right? Um, so the in in the law, uh, the the word of the word of God that is law, that God shows forth His wrath, and this is really what we're referring to when we talk about His alien work, because um, uh, that God would would punish us for our sins, um, and uh, and that He does because He loves us uh, to drive us to His Son, uh, to discipline us so that we would we would uh, see His Son. But that in of itself is not uh, who God is, um, that he first and foremost is a God of love. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So that, sure. that, that God's proper work would be expressed in his uh, to give life and grace and love. And he does indeed punish sin, um, but he does this as an alien work. So God's yep. alien work is your theological yep. best That's right. God is love. God sometimes acts in wrath, but he is not wrath. He is love. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Oh, hey, thanks. All right, let's play Where Was It Said? <laughs> now, go through these options again. We have St. Uh, Andrew's, uh, what is uh, this? Kindergarten uh, Chapel, preschool now, chapel. Is this a Lutheran? Uh, yeah, Lutheran school. Okay. Chapel. I was doing chapel this morning. Okay. D- the uh, second is, uh, where did I go after that? Under was Bahus. down to the Bahudas Temple. Okay. Then third is uh, at the Twentieth Street Cafe, translating Greek. Now, is this um, this is with Pastor Jared Melius? Uh, with at, Pastor Jared Melius. Uh, what's his church at again? It's, uh, Mount, Zion. Mount Zion. So, if it's something profound, I'm going to guess Pastor Melius. Right. None okay. of these are particularly profound. Okay. Uh, and then the Denver County Courthouse. Just observing. I got to go back and see a court and see how this thing goes. Well, what a day, huh? So uh, the next, whatever the next thing is you do, you can play this again, only adding uh, radio. Recording table talk radio. And then I'm going to, I don't know what happens after this. I think I might drop in a couple hospitals, but then back tonight to teach about Hinduism in Bible class tonight. Yeah, it's nuts. Cool. All right. Give me one. All right. Ready? Quote, I don't know the difference. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so this could be any of them. It, you, you could have some kindergarten. Yeah, uh, Pastor Wolfmiller goes, um, Hi, I'm here for chapel today. Uh, don't you think I'm good looking? And some <laughs> kindergartner says, I don't know the difference. Um, it could be the Denver uh, Buddhist temple. Uh, some Someone there saying, uh, you, you ask someone at the temple, uh, what's between uh, Buddhism and Christianity? Someone says, I don't know the difference. Uh, Pastor Melis could be asking you about uh, parsing some verb, and you say, I don't know the difference. Uh, or the Denver Courthouse, someone saying that, uh, you know, something about a ticket. I don't know. Anyway, I think, I'm just going to guess that this quote was said at the Denver Bahudas Temple. It was. Well, it was said both at the Denver Bahudas Temple and while studying Greek. <laughs> okay, First what? at the temple, because, you know, Buddhism doesn't like distinctions. In ah. fact, I'm not sure if we could just claim that that's Buddhism because they don't even like the name to label a different thing. Of course, I found out that the Buddhists who don't like distinctions have divided into about 50,000 different sects. Oh, really? And, by the way, that Buddha said there was 84,000 different ways to enlightenment. All right, well, but let's never talk mind. about that they don't like at the break. Freedom, what did you hope to learn about here?
Table Talk Radio, the low-calorie Lutheran radio game show. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Tinker has the news coming right up. But first, a few more rounds of Where Was It Said? So far, I have 200 points. You do? Yeah, I awarded myself 200 points for getting it right. Is that okay? Oh, I forgot that we had points. I'll jot it down over here. Evan Gigline. 200. 200. That's right. All right, give me another one because I am. You know, I am I'm, a, I'm more attracted to Buddhism because 200 points and no points is the same. Oh, yeah. In fact, so. So There's no distinction funny. between 200 points and negative 200 points. <laughs> so I think I think this is pretty interesting. So that there's all these different factions of Bahudism. Yeah, yeah. And they're A the ones that are all about not having distinctions. Not distinctions, yeah. She, uh, mm. the, the priest did admit that that was a bit of an irony. All right. Well, good. I'm glad that the whole you have a whole religion built on on the fact that there's no distinctions, and then someone says, "Well, what sect are you?" <laughs> That's great. I mean, you could be a Christian and a Buddhist, according to the Buddhist, but you can't be uh, uh, you you can't be a uh, a Zen Buddhist and a um, what was this that we were? Oh, and a Jodu Shinshu Buddhist at the same time. <laughs> Nice. You can be a Muslim and a Buddhist, but you can't be a, you know, whatever. Who knows? I think, uh, you know, with our uh, with our friends, the Bahudists, uh, this is the point, is that uh, uniquenesses are an illusion. In that way, they're the same as Hinduism, which ironically has the same sort of problem by saying that there is no, there is, there's only one divine reality, and at the same time, they've got about seven million gods. <laughs> so that means that God is not the divine reality. And when you start to get a, uh, your head around that, it starts to make sense because you, after all, have a Buddha seed inside of you. So we got to look at the temple, and they had a picture of not the normal Buddha, but of the cosmic Buddha. Apparently there was a big kind of... Um, a couple centuries after the Buddha, there was a, there was a big kind of... Um, mystical movement, Pure Land Buddhism, uh, that occurred. And so it was understood then that the Buddha was more than a person, but there was all these manifestations of... uh, I don't know. There are all these manifestations of the cosmic Buddha or whatever. Hmm. Who knows? Hmm. That's good. I'm glad that you... So what... Did you just... Were you there having doing the benediction, or what were you doing over there? (laughs) Yeah, thanks for asking. Just getting a tour. Okay, you know. nice. I'm teaching on Eastern religions, uh, so I was trying to figure out the difference between Hinduism and Buddhism. It's kind of, it's not that easy, you know. It's, I mean, it would. It, it, we're talking to someone who doesn't make distinctions, and it's just so. What, I mean, do you guys chant? Well, yeah, sometimes. Do you do this? Well, sure, yeah, maybe. I <laughs> don't know. What do you? <laughs> does someone write your check? It's a good thing that you don't have, you know, a Buddhist bank. Yeah, whatever. I thought I had $10,000 in here. Oh, it's all the same. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I want another round. Give me another one. Okay, ready? Yep. Quote, how many of you are in trouble? 
Oh, boy. Um, I know what this is. You are trying to trick me, and you probably were planning this all day today, uh, or part of last night and then today, because you're trying to lead me into thinking this is the Denver courthouse, you know, because being in trouble. However, I think this is how you were uh, part of your... Do you give a sermon or like a homily at the St. Andrew's Chapel? There with the yeah, it's preschool, so I give a lecture. A lecture. I think this is part of your lecture. Um, you so are gonna, right. Uh, <laughs> Again, you are right. 200 points. 200. What's the point of this game anyway? That's all. Just because it was a weird kind of day. <laughs> All right. You want to go to the next one? Yeah. This is all. Oh, this is the illustration that I used of the sending of the Holy Spirit. So imagine, close your eyes. Imagine, dear listener, you can, unless you're driving, do the same. Close your eyes. Imagine that you're a kid, and you are in trouble, and because you did some horrible things, and now you are sitting on your bed, and your parents are in the dining room talking about uh, your punishment, and you send your little sister or little brother out to listen to what your parents are saying, and they go and they listen. And they come back, and you say, how bad is it? And the answer is, your little sister the, says... The answer is, is there blood? <laughs> yeah, that's from my mom. <laughs> the answer is from your little sister. She says, I can't believe it. They're out there talking about how much they love you. <laughs> so this is when Jesus says that he'll send the Holy Spirit to comfort her, to teach all things. This is how it goes. The Holy Spirit comes from the right hand of... Uh, or from Jesus, who's at the right hand of the Father, and tells us about the conversation happening there in heaven, and it's about how much God loves you. That's pretty good. Right hey, I like that. Thank you. I think I think um, the saints at Faith Lutheran might like that on Sunday, too. <laughs> good. Good. I'll send Mom my sermon from last week, and so yeah. she'll know where you got it. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, your you want, mom's not going to be there on Sunday, so you go right ahead. You're safe. All right. Here, I got one more for you. Okay. All rise. Uh, you're now, what you're doing is trying to do a little reverse psychology. You think I'm going to uh, think that the Denver courthouse is so obvious that it must be something else. But I know you're doing this, so I'm going to go, go ahead and say the Denver courthouse. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Three That's part of the three. liturgy of the courtroom. I think this is pretty important. You know, the anti-liturgical folks will admit that there's liturgy when important things are happening, like at a courthouse or in a swearing-in ceremony uh, or at a marriage mili- uh, and even at a funeral. funeral. Yep. But yep. Not, yeah, military funeral, but not at... Uh, not at um, not at church. It's not quite important enough for there to be a liturgy. Hmm. So there's a liturgy of the courthouse. There's a rising and a standing. You know how uh, uh, I think uh, Pastor Ketchermeyer's son Luke drew a picture. What does your dad do? And he had his dad there and a little thing, and it said, "Stand up, sit down, stand up." <laughs> <laughs> that's how the judge. If you had, if your dad was a judge, that's what you would do too. Stand up, sit down, stand up. Nice. Uh, I, I'm uh, trying to get a gavel for the pulpit. It's a good idea. It's yeah. a good plan. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, some... Your sins are forgiven. Mm. That was a very robust gavel sound. Yeah, what, did you just throw a, a pin down? Yeah. Click. How about that? Oh, was that loud? Oh, goodness. Ugh. Okay, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do some Ten Commandments in the news. Yeah, baby. Ten Commandments in my, in the, in my news. My favorite game. 
All right, Ten Commandments and Pastor Wolf. I play this news. game all the time. <laughs> no, it's not all about you. No, no. I love this game. I don't know if I ever mentioned that. <laughs> okay, here's the first one. What I think we should just do this game for US all the time. And British leaders to publicly discuss the crisis in Syria instead produce some strong words from President Obama about the Benghazi consulate attack and what his critics have been saying. The whole issue of this of, of talking points, frankly, throughout this process has been a sideshow. Nobody understood exactly what was taking place during the course of those first few days. The Benghazi attack last September claimed the lives of four Americans. Critics accused the Obama administration of disguising the planned attack as a spontaneous protest to limit political consequences. A series of State Department talking points about the consulate attack were made public Friday. The White House says those talking points were given to congressional committees months ago, and the changes made to them in the days after the attacks were purely stylistic. Many Republicans disagree. I, I would call it a cover-up in the extent that there was willful removal of information which was obvious. The news conference where the president made his remarks came just after a meeting with British Prime Minister David Cameron about the deteriorating situation in Syria. Speaking to press, Cameron urged action in the region. 80,000 dead, 5 million people forced from their homes. Syria's history is being written in the blood of her people, and it is happening on our watch. Cameron traveled to Russia to meet with leader Vladimir Putin a few days earlier. Russia is one of the Syrian government's last major allies, but Cameron says he was heartened by his talks with Putin. Specifically, Western leaders have asked Russia to help transition Bashar al-Assad's regime out of Syria. The nation's civil war has been waged since March 2011, when rebels took up arms against Syria's government. For Newsy, Zach Toombs. Multiple sources, a broader view. All right, there Multiple it is. Multiple sources, a broader view. Newsy, Evan's favorite news source. Oh, great. You're going to make fun of that, too. Uh, all, of, all of the ones I have today are from Newsy, so you might as well just get Newsy. it all out now. A broader source, a wider view. I even took out the, the annoying little thing at the beginning because it usually distracts you from what we're doing. What does it say? Pew! Yes. Newsy. Welcome to Newsy. Okay, anyway, do you, have, you have about a minute to respond if you want to. Okay, well, so this is the whole Benghazi scandal, which is really... I mean, we do have a lot of scandals to consider, so let's just run through a few commandments. Number one, um, people were killed. That's Fifth Commandment. Number two, it had to do with um, a consulate, which has to do with nations, etc. So that is the establishment of nations and government, which is Fourth Commandment and Eighth Commandment. Uh, let's see. There was a cover-up and all these talking points, so that has to do with the Eighth Commandment also, telling the truth and things like this. Uh, it was a, a terrorist attack, and so that has to do with the Third Commandment, uh, teaching false doctrine, the Second Commandment, getting God's name wrong, and the First Commandment, which terrorism is the anti-first commandment in the anti-catechism because we're supposed to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. So, uh, let's see. What We should be sometimes talk about the commandments that aren't included. Like I don't think there was anything with the sixth commandment. I can't remember. Uh, I don't know any seventh commandment stuff. Yeah. Nine and ten? Probably ninth and tenth are always being broken, no matter what you do. <laughs> All right, we're going to pick up on that story when we get back. Don't go away. What you need, don't take uh uh. Love is sacred, keep it pure. Life is sacred, love it all. Respect the ones who care for you. Dedicate your work, play and rest on to God. God's name is special, so use it that way. And don't fool yourself, there's only one God. Ten commandments, because God loves you. 
just about the best thing since moldy bread. This is Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio, playing Ten Commandments in the News. Pastor Wolfman, are you feeling all right? I'm checking my talking points here. Okay. I am feeling fine. Why, do you ask? Is that a setup for a joke? Well, no, I just, uh, you know, I've never known you to be quiet during the bump music before, and especially during that song. Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> I'm just kind of trying to come off the realization of these horrible other bumps, but... <laughs> You don't like what's wrong with the Ten, Ten Commandments song? Ten Commandments because God loves. Is that what it says? Because God loves us? Now yeah. I'm listening to the. What's wrong with that? You I, think I we, we have the Ten Commandments because God hates us? Well, ah. Yeah, you missed your opportunity we'll to do that in the show. Yeah, miss your opportunity to do the uh, buzzword there. I think the conscience. That would be my buzzword. Oh. Okay. Uh, so Ben Ten Commandments are yeah. God's alien work. Is that the buzzword there? Maybe. But now I caught you saying it, so now you only get three points. So the score right now is 600 to three. Um, all right, Pastor Wolfner, uh, do you have more to say about Benghazi here? Uh, I don't think so. I'm ready for the next one. All right, here is the next one. Just as the Department of Justice launches a probe into the IRS's activities, it's facing an investigation into its own actions. And it has Republicans again calling for the Attorney General's resignation. Two months of Associated Press phone records were obtained by the Justice Department without a subpoena, fueling criticism that the DOJ overstepped its bounds. The level of Attorney General Eric Holder's involvement in the phone records grab is up for debate. But Holder did seem to justify the action in a news conference Tuesday when he said the Justice Department had a duty to investigate reports of a foil terror attack that were leaked to the AP. That is not hyperbole. It put the American people at risk. And uh, trying to determine who was responsible for that, I think, required very aggressive action. Holder himself was questioned by the FBI and the AP leaks last summer, and he says he's recusing himself, staying out of the probe into the phone records as a result. That hasn't kept Republican leaders from pointing the finger at him. In a brief statement Tuesday, Party Chairman Reince Priebus wrote, Attorney General Eric Holder has trampled on the First Amendment and failed in his sworn duty to uphold the Constitution. Because Attorney General Holder has so egregiously violated the public trust, the president should ask for his immediate resignation. And just as the Justice Department sees pressure on that front, it announced its own probe into the Internal Revenue Service. Last week, the IRS admitted to unfairly targeting conservative groups and audits. Though in an especially uncomfortable White House press briefing Tuesday, spokesman Jay Carney said the president still isn't even sure there was any wrongdoing. He served from the president that if this turns out to be true, uh, he would be outraged. And we are. It's not the way the IRS should ever operate, if it turns out to be true. At the Justice Department, Holder said his agency's investigation in conjunction with the FBI would determine whether the IRS actions broke only the service's own policies or actually violated federal laws. For Newsy, oh, I just shut it off. So you <laughs> Newsy, a broader view, a wider perspective. You're listening to Newsy. Unlike you people who don't use Newsy and it has a one perspective and a narrower view. 
narrow view, one perspective. You're not listening to Newsy. <laughs> You're listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> no, I think it's interesting. I got, th- this this uh, report came out yesterday. And I think it's interesting the White House is st- <laughs> is still claiming plausible deniability. <laughs> yeah, what in the world? <laughs> if it's true. Well, wait a minute. I thought they kind of Yeah, the, yeah, the lady from the true. IRS came out there and said, "Hey, yeah, we're really sorry about this." And then and then like right after that, Obama goes up to the thing and he, President Obama and says, "Uh, yeah, if it's true." Uh, what? <laughs> she just admitted it was true. <laughs> I it is, and, it, and it's not like this is an old story. I mean, I, I, this is nearly hot off the press. So it's not like you know he didn't know this. You know, us ah, amazing. Yeah, ah, so indeed. there's two there's two issues with this. You have the the Department of Justice who obtained phone records from the Associated Press without a subpoena. Now the defense here, no pun intended, the defense uh, is saying, well, look, national security was at risk, which would seem would would if that's true would seem to be cause for a subpoena i, I mean if if if, if, there, if there's a real risk there then why not just go get a subpoena or a warrant right, that's or something right, right. <laughs> yeah why sneak around and do it there's a mechanism for handling these sorts of things which we've established the as the you know as things bounce back and forth between the fourth commandment and the eighth commandment you know protecting the individual's name, protecting truth, and protecting freedom, and protecting life, uh, etc. And that, I mean, there is a, I don't know, I don't think there's a tension, but I think these are the two, the kind of, in the Ten Commandments in this whole thing, these are the kind of two poles that the, that the rope of justice is strung between. The Fourth Commandment, the establishment of government and authority from family, and then, uh, on the other hand, the Eighth Commandment, which gives us a name. And says it should be protected and uh, and avoids collectivism and all this sort of stuff. So there uh, and yeah, and so it kind of goes back and forth between one and the other. So and so I think you're a hundred percent right. You say, hey, if the, if uh, there's right ways to handle this, if national security is uh, really being threatened, but if you don't do that, then it really it, then it looks like um, it really starts to look like a scandal. Uh, uh, uh. And speaking of scandals, what about the IRS targeting? Uh, yeah, that's great. Groups? I <laughs> it took. It was taking these. Uh, it was taking these people who had the name Tea Party in their uh, or Patriot it, or something like this. Yeah, that, that it was taking them months and months to get permission to have a little group, even if and maybe they didn't. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> it's a good thing we haven't tried to get a tax exempt status. Oh yeah, for, uh, for Table Talk Radio, no way would we do it. It'd be the Table Talk Patriotic Tea Party. <laughs> now, but the IRS has always been an agency that has has functioned uh, relatively without oversight or a balance of power. You know, uh, there's there's not a lot of oversight on what the IRS does and how they conduct their investigations and business. Yeah, uh, yeah, I saw something where. Um, so the IRS comes out and apologized, and the response was, I didn't know you could apologize, and that would be all right with the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> right. The guy says, well, maybe it's not really a farm. Maybe it's more like a salad. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, we'll just assess a fine. And yeah, that is – anytime the IRS is involved, by the way, it gets into Seventh Commandment questions because the government apparently has – from God and natural law, 
the uh, authority to levy taxes to um, to run the government. And yet that does not mean that they have that they can't do things wrong and that they're above criticism for this and that the taxes can't be oppressive and things like this. It's like it's like saying that um, because the pastor has the authority to teach, that doesn't mean he can teach false doctrine. You know, mm-hmm. well, of course he can. And, and the teaching of a false doctrine from a pastor makes it even worse or. Parents have the authority to to discipline their children, but that doesn't mean that it's impossible. The parents can do whatever they want and never be accused of abuse. No, in fact, the opposite is true. So, because the authority exists, the the uh, the abuse of that authority it, it starts to exist even more, and um, and so you can see that with the IRS, etc. And this is just a clear abuse of authority. It's kind of ridiculous, really. I mean, it's just it's absurd. So I think you already went through the commandments on that one. Uh, let's see. We got Fourth, seventh, seven. eighth commandment, lying. Fourth commandment, government. Seventh commandment, taxes. Uh, fifth commandment and seventh, first, second, and third commandments because it was a apparently this this uh, AP phone tap was a because there was a a terrorist threat or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All those things. All right. Well, I have one more news item for you, and we'll be able to just, uh, well, we can have maybe just a brief second to talk about it after this clip. But don't worry. We have all of the fourth segment of this show. Uh, So here's the the latest on uh, this Dr. Gosnell. Here it is. After 10 days of deliberations, the jury in the trial of abortion Dr. Kermit Gosnell handed down its verdict on Monday. Here we go. Guilty uh, on three counts of first-degree murder. That obviously is huge. He is guilty of murder in the first degree of three babies. Dr. Kermit Gosnell murdered them on that table. Gosnell was charged with four counts of murder. He was convicted of three, plus involuntary manslaughter for the death of a 41-year-old woman in his clinic. The details that have emerged from the story earned Gosnell's clinic the nickname House of Horrors. The case broke in 2011 after dozens of women and some former employees came forward. The grand jury report describes the clinic saying Gosnell killed live, viable, moving, breathing, crying babies. He killed them by cutting their spinal cords after their mothers had delivered them after receiving excessive amounts of medication. Despite years of complaints prior to those findings, Gosnell's clinic remained open. It wasn't until FBI agents raided the clinic that the full story of what had gone on inside came to light. Even then, agents weren't reportedly looking for malpractice or gross negligence. They were looking for illegal drug sales. Gosnell still faces federal drug charges. He was also found guilty of performing late-term abortions, conspiracy, and running a corrupt organization. Gosnell could be sentenced to death. All right. Um, So, Pastor, you just have about 30 seconds for our next break. Oh, man. This is just horrific. I mean, this whole um, story is unimaginably uh, gruesome and disastrous. And it points, I think, to... It points to the to the to the incredible uh, uh, horror and black mark on our own age that is um, the laws allowing abortion. I mean, that that uh, that it is legal and an acceptable practice for for this kind of clinic to even exist um, is embarrassing, really. It is. Um, one more segment of Table Talk Radio. I have a, maybe a couple thoughts on this story, and we'll hear from Pastor Wolf Miller's uh, Ten Commandments in this story, and then your emails at questions at tabletalkradio.org. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. It says, Bill, I believe this is killing me. 
Keeping Luther rolling in his grave since 2008. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And tell me, can you see her shining through a crowded room where she's the view? And maybe she'll embrace your innocence, maybe. And we're back on Table Talk Radio. Okay, talking about Dr. Kermit Gosnell, uh, convicted on three of four accounts of murder, of infanticide. Um, and I think I think this is um, going to be very interesting for our uh, nation to deal with. And I have still been waiting, as we broadcast this 15th day of May, for our um, commander-in-chief to, to say a word about this. Oh, he hasn't, huh? Yeah. So I mean I think this is important, uh, and it's not it's not uncommon for our our president to uh, to speak on um, as one reporter called it local crime, um, because <laughs> if you remember the Trayvon Martin case, uh, President uh, Obama was happy to speak out and and yeah. tell us that yeah. if he had a son, it'd be like Trayvon. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm waiting for this because if you remember when our president was then a senator, he he voted for this idea that if a, if a Baby was born as a result of a botched abortion. It should be legal to end that baby's life. He he just, he, he would say that uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Now I think this is going to um, be uh, give us some talking points. We as Christians now have a, a a fantastic, especially now as as this news is breaking, get out and talk to your friends about this right. um, because it's in the news. So fundamentally, what is the difference between this child that's laying on the table minutes uh, after being born? And uh, five minutes prior, when it's in the womb, uh, yeah, why, it's why, crazy. why is the chi- child in one case deserving of protection of, of life and, and basic human rights under the Constitution, and in five minutes prior not? And uh, is that right? I was having this weird conversation with this. Uh, I don't think I told you about this. About this, um, he was kind of a Black Panther imam, so kind of a Black Muslim imam the other day. And uh, and uh, yeah, there, there were some lines that came from that conversation. It was good for that game. Where was this said? My goodness. <laughs> but he was talking about how he's against um, he's against homosexual marriage, but he's pro-choice. And he's and and I, and I don't even understand this. I, I don't understand how anyone can you know sit and defend the practice of abortion. I mean, it's just unthinkable, absolutely unthinkable. Anyway, he says, well, it's I, who am I to say what the woman can do with her body? And I said, it's not her body. It is her baby's body. I mean, if we can't say, if the government, if the law doesn't say, hey, this is how you can treat somebody else's body, this is what you can do with it, that there's abuse there, then, I mean, that's... Right. I mean, it's nuts. And, like saying, well, I'm not, who, who am I? You, you just come and tell me, well, you, you can't tell me what to do with my body, so I'm going to take my body and, uh, and grab a sledgehammer and hit you on the head with it. Right. It's not your freedom. And I think that uh, the person that that brings us out a lot is uh, Scott Klusendorf, um, author of A Case for Life, and he's always uh, interviewed on issues, et cetera. And um, he, he really drives his point home, is that in our conversations, uh, what we should be asking uh, is, uh, is, is the subject, the, 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 the fetus here, is it a human life or is it not? Because if it's not a human life, 
then absolutely, there's nothing wrong with, with what we're talking about. But if it is a human life, then it is wrong. And the kind of the, the standard uh, to kind of always bring the question back to the issue is, uh, is what you're saying apply to a two-year-old? So would we say the mother has the right to, to kill the two-year-old child? And of course, we'd say, no, of course not. Well then, why well, if if if, yeah, if it's wrong, be, say that. right? If if it's wrong to end a human life of a two-year-old, and the fetus is in a human life, then why would it be right for the woman to choose in that that situation? I'll tell you though, things are falling apart at such a rapid rate. We were talking about this is one of the things we were talking about the other day is that there's two ways to break a commandment. Remember this, so that you can. So for example, uh, the seventh commandment, "You shall not steal," means that we now legally have the. Um, the right of ownership, and I can own something, and then you can come and take it from me. Now, there's two ways to prevent you from stealing, and that is, I can probably lock up my stuff and you know put an alarm system around it and all this sort of thing, and I can maybe try to prevent you from stealing it, but some theft is going to happen. But there's a way to simply guarantee that no theft will ever happen at all, and that is to make sure that I have no stuff. <laughs> so if there's no things to steal, then there is no theft. It's crazy. If there is no marriage, there is no adultery. If there's no such thing as life, there's no such thing as murder. If there's no family, then there's no honoring father and mother. If there's no truth, then there's no sanctifying the Sabbath day. And if there's no God, then there's no uh, then there's no that's impossible to be commit idolatry. Right. And it just seems like these institutions, which the commandments are protecting, are simply being torn away one by one by one. And the and the result is a new kind of holiness. I mean, nobody's mm. breaking any laws because there is no because there's um there's no because there's nothing important yeah. and left to desecrate. I mean, right. nobody's getting punched in the face because nobody actually has a head anymore. Yeah, it's just horrific. Well, the other thing that I think is interesting uh, that we see uh, political. Uh, both sides of the political aisle use is um, the topic of racism because I think um, uh, many people see kind of, uh, well, that, that racism is, is wrong. And uh, we all know that there was a time in our nation's history which we thought racism was, was justifiable. And so what the, um, what the gay right activists want to do is they want to liken um, how uh, how people view homosexuality like that of, of racism and say, oh, well, you, you, we once thought it was okay to treat a person differently because of his race, uh, and now we think that it's uh, uh, okay to treat someone differently because of their sexual orientation. Now, I, I want to point out that uh, this is not a valid correlation because, um, for example, it would be possible for someone to say, uh, uh, I'm no longer gay, but you've never had someone say, uh, I'm no longer black, you know. So it's possible for someone to take a moral position and say, what I did in my homosexual activity was morally wrong. And no one would ever say that about their race. But I think that this correlation of, to racism can be properly applied to the topic at hand that is abortion. So that what we're doing is we're saying that this person doesn't des- deserve human rights, this time not, not no longer on the basis of, of their race, uh, or to who their forefathers are, but in this case, by their size or their their location, and they're in the womb rather than outside the womb. Right. Um, and so now, I think what we have to do is point out that people deserve hu- basic human rights on the basis of their existence and nothing else. Right. That's right. So life. 
Right. So where where the fundamental do we... right is life. If you take away life, you got nothing left. Right. So where do where do we find existence start? And that's going to be the, at the moment of conception. Right. So sure. there it is. Yeah. I, there's this great little meme kind of kicking around where um, uh, it, it says if if scientists found a single cell living on Mars, they would declare we've found life. <laughs> <laughs> But if you find that same single cell in the womb of a mother, you say, well, it's just a glob of cells. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's contradictory. All right. Uh, let's go to the email bag. I have an a email from Emma. Uh, Emmer sa- <laughs> Emmer? Emma says, I remember Hey, hearing- Emmer, that's what she would be called in Texas. Emmer. <laughs> she says, dear gentlemen of Table Talk Radio, referring to me. I remember hearing either on your show or another uh. Lutheran <laughs> radio program that if the New Testament is talking about water, it is probably talking about baptism. I was reading the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 34. I want to go and look that up. I was wondering if this, too, is speaking in some way about baptism. If that is the case, is then the blood referring to the Lord's Supper in some way? Or am I completely missing the mark here? What I am the text again? Uh, John nineteen thirty-four. Okay. I am so close to being caught up with your show as I finished 2.30 today which is also where you answered an email of mine. Thanks. Do I get any Table Talk radio points for listening to all the shows? I feel like there should be some sort of compensation. Thanks again, gentlemen, talking to me. Uh, Emma. Thank you, Emma. Now, um, I have to to do a little corrective work here um, because I I think I uttered those words (laughs) that she's referring to, that if the New Testament is talking about water, it is probably talking about baptism. However, in that instance, I was being a bit ironic and sarcastic. And uh, I no, <laughs> no, I know it's hard Not to imagine. You, it is hard to imagine. Um, but I did write to Emma and I explained. And Pastor Wolf, you can you can uh, see if you agree or confirm this. But there there was a t- I agree. There was a time in our synod's history, not so terribly long ago, um, that pastors just were not trained um, to. Uh, to emphasize the sacraments in their preaching and teaching. I think that's probably true. Yeah. So, old pastors call in. <laughs> We've got a lot of old Lutheran bronzy pastors listening to our show. Uh, but but rightly, I think we've rediscovered this uh, teaching of uh, uh, that's in the Lord's Word, that the sacraments are the means of grace and they deliver the forgiveness of sins. So uh, if that's true, and it is, then it be, it's something really important. Um, however, I I can't help but wonder, and this is sort of where I'm speculating a little bit. And Pastor, you can you can give me your thoughts on this. But I think in our zeal to rediscover the sacraments in our our uh, our theological understanding, we sometimes over I don't want to say overemphasize the sacraments, but we uh, exegetically um, see it where it is not. So we'll come to a passage in uh, Holy Scripture talking about water, and we'll say, oh, this is baptismal. Um, when uh, that it tends to use more of an allegorical use of the scriptures rather than just seeing what what the scriptures are actually teaching in and of itself. What do you think of that? Yes, I think that's right. So that we don't um, we don't need pictures of the of baptism and the Lord's Supper when we actually have the the real thing. And so you do have this, and it's a caricature, but of of guys finding uh, types, pictures, and symbols of the sacraments. Every time they see water, it's baptism, and every time they see bread or someone eating, it's the Lord's Supper. And that it takes it a little bit over the top. Yeah. So now, to, to, with with that uh, squared away, John 19.34 uh, says what? Uh, oh, 
I have it here. Don't worry. I've got it. I thought I'd give you plenty of time to look this but one up. Of the soldier, I have it here. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. Ah. Now, this is interesting because uh, we have some, I don't know where it comes from. I didn't bother to look it up, but some, some uh, ecclesiastical art, some art from the church where you have like angels with chalices and uh, baptismal fonts catching the water and blood flowing from the side of Jesus. Um, so that should give us some idea of how the church understood this passage. Uh, but Pastor Wolfenler, what do you think? Is this referring to baptism and Lord's Supper? Well, I'm, you know, we, we have this text in First John, so John will follow up on this and says, look, we saw these things, and, and he'll say, these three things testify on earth, the, uh, the water, the blood, and the Spirit. Isn't that how it goes? No, no, no. The Word, the water, and the Spirit. Uh-oh, I better look that up. The Word, the water, and the Spirit. There is a sense that it is from the death of Jesus that the benefits of baptism and the and um, the Lord's Supper flow. I mean, baptism and the Lord's Supper serve the purpose of bringing to the Christian the benefit that Jesus wins on the cross by his death and by his resurrection. So we re- rejoice in that. And so th- this, uh, when the church reads these words, you certainly have that sort of thing uh, happening. Is John intending that when he's writing it? Well, uh, this is a difficult thing to try to discern. I think that when Jesus was crucified, that blood and water did flow out. And if we have the sacraments, we're not going to be we're not going to develop the doctrine of the sacraments from these texts. But if we do have these things, um, then this is a, a kind of a confirmation to us that the Lord is giving us great gifts in the sacraments. Yeah, I think the the thing that we always have to be asking is, what did the author intend for, uh, what was his intention in writing this? And that's how we can get to the teaching of the Lord's Supper, rather than upon symbols or types and stuff. All right, right. that's it. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like all the gospel that you hear in the municipal courthouse. (laughs) Not a lot there, huh? All rise. (laughs) You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.